welcome to the Science Allies podcast, a product of the Alliance for Science conversation with our global ecosystem of scientists, communicators, decision makers and activists, all working to build resilience and better futures for communities around the world. Welcome to the Alliance for Science podcast. We are a global science communication initiative hosted at the Boyce Thompson Institute right here on the Cornell campus in Ithaca, New York. Our job is to promote science for humanity, and we're particularly focused on food security issues, technologies and innovations that help agriculture and support people thinking about ways of finding solutions, climate resilient solutions in the, in the wake of all the many challenges we're facing in this world. And so today I am very excited to be on campus at VTI with Arif, who is the executive director of Farming Futures Bangladesh. And this is a baby of the Alliance for Science. And it's a baby that is grown up strong. And we are so excited that we are together now looking at the vision for year three and also how we can support the Alliance to grow bigger across the region. So Arif, welcome. Please introduce yourself for our listeners. Thank you, Dr. Sheila. And thank you, whoever listening our podcast across the world. Uh, this is Arif. I am the CEO and Executive Director of Farming Future Bangladesh, a science and evidence-based organization. We are dealing with comprehensive communication, engagement of empowerment of communities, aimed at improving access to modern agricultural innovations, including crop biotechnology, for sustainable food security in Bangladesh. At our core, we have research, policy advocacy, communication, and engagement activities that we are doing on the ground. As Dr. Sheila mentioned, Farming Future Bangladesh is the brainchild of Alliance for Science. The campaign we planned back in 2015 has become a reality and trying to create some change, bringing different communities together in Bangladesh. Starting in 2019, we are actually engaging multi-stakeholder community in Bangladesh starting from policymaker at top to the grassroots community far from the capital. Okay. So I want to talk a little bit about your journey. First, your journey to Ithaca, the first time when you came here to join the Global Fellows Program. Tell us what that was like. What was your experience? And how did that put the fire in your belly to end up as Farming Futures Bangladesh? Sheila, I would rather say that the context that you have back in 2015, the all dialogues, discussions about food security in relation to addressing them with, with, with the tool of ag biotech, particularly GMO. So the global narrative that we had during that time was not helping smallholder farmer. Uh, for example, in Bangladesh, we just got BT eggplant released and approved back in 2013 of October. And uh, in, in, in summer of uh, 2015, I was here at Cornell. 
So it was a transition for me to see the crop working uh, 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 across different you know, like community, how they're dealing with that, and what is the global narrative in relation to uh, you know, like addressing uh, um, uh, those issues, what definitely and certainly can small help smallholder farmer. So to coming here and uh, understand the global context, uh, learning about different dynamics that you have, and the challenges that we face, our friends on the other side of the table sitting in Europe and the you know like global north that you have, uh, they are kind of like a determining factor what smallholder farmer, my neighbors, my relatives will, will grow. So learning through that path hole and coming here, learning from different experts and getting trained at Cornell about science communication, building strategy, all these things actually helped me to understand that what would be most significant for me uh, to work on the ground so that we can help smallholder farmers to get better access to technologies. And we also can influence and navigate the decision-making procedure in a way that we take evidence-based decision, uh, not based on our perception and not based on any political pressure. So I think the the investment and the exposure and opportunity that we got uh, from the Alliance for Science Global Leadership Fellow Program helped me to understand what the strength we have locally and how we need to uh, create a synergy rather than not remaining marginalized uh, being the tech adapter. Yeah, so I understand what you um, got out of the training, but also you must have gotten so much more from the interaction with the, the other fellows from all across the world, um, learning about their experiences, their context, their p particular stories, because it was three months, wasn't it, of, of, of an intense, Absolutely. yeah. Uh, for example, I know uh, why cassava is important. I know why golden rice is important in the Philippines, in Bangladesh. I can talk about banana that we need. So learning all these things and apart from that, when you have a network of 30 people, you actually bring knowledge from 30 different contexts. The philosophy, the culture, uh, the strength and capacity. And when you mingle together, then you create a comprehensive coalition that itself becomes a strength. And, and, and uh, the gap you have within your personality, you learn from your friend, you learn from your uh, cohort. So that actually helped us to understand that what is the like context that everyone, I mean, reading through articles sometimes are beneficial, but if you see someone in person, if you can talk, if you see that what is the real picture, that actually uh, helps you to understand more and to add up your strategies so that you can you can you can you can relate it more with your own locality. Yeah. I'll come back to that um on in the third part of um this conversation where we'll talk more about um the work we want to do around South South collaborations as AFS going forward. But now I kind of want to give the listeners a picture of the kind of products, the kind of work you do on the ground in Bangladesh with your TV shows, with your outreach, your work with faith-based communities. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure, certainly. So the approach that we took for Farming Future Bangladesh, the knowledge that we gained from Alliance for Science programs and activities, uh, we identified our audience in three broad categories. People who take decisions, they are the decider. People who use the technology, they are the beneficiary. And in the middle, we have a category, we call them influencer. Uh, 
So for farming future, it was strategically important for us to uh, reach all these three categories. But within our small own limited capacity, we can't meet the Minister of Agriculture every now and then, and we can't even reach 160 million people all of a sudden. So we identified a sweet spot in between people like media professional, the scientists in different university, extension official, uh, faith community leaders, youth. These are the few like small stakeholder and audience and people who you can engage, can educate, and eventually you can empower them. So with that approach, we started um, educating them by sharing evidence-based information, by sharing scientific knowledge, not pseudoscience. We were engaging them and still engaging them in different activities. And eventually, we believe that at some point, we'll have an empowered community who will be demand-driven based on the scientific knowledge they will acquire through different activities. So for example, I mean, we have been engaged, engaging faith community. Faith leaders are very influential in our, our society. Uh, more than 60 to 70% people living in, in different village and um, uh, rural territory, they still listen to, to the faith leaders. And uh, we, 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 are, we, are, we, are, we are working to educate them uh, to make the complicated science simpler for them so that they can uh, educate their community with the innovations which are available for them that they can take. We have been uh, engaging youth because they are the future. We have more than 54% youth in Bangladesh and engaging them actually helped FAB Farming Future to understand that what is the landscape, the future, uh, where we want to actually invest and recreate our capacity so that we can remain self-sustained within our own resources. We have been working with farmers. We have been working with extension officials, scientific, uh, you know, like community, like scientists from different academia. So these actually helped us to understand that uh, the the challenge that we have in regard to climate change, in regard to nutrition deficiency. As you probably know, that 35 percent of women and children in Bangladesh are still undernourished. Every one child out of three don't have access to nutritious food in Bangladesh. So if we have technologies like golden rice, rice enriched with beta carotene, zinc and high iron rice, these are the product we need for our farmer, for our community to grow and to eat. If we have a pest resistant technology like BT eggplant, which can help a smallholder farmer to get six-fold increased income, and that's not a fiction, it's a fact, and when we had uh, BT Brinjal back in 2014, within a limited capacity only to a few hundred farmer, from there, now you have more than 65,000 farmer growing that crop. So these are real story we need to share. These are the real fact we need to understand and convey to the policy people and to our friends in Africa, in Asia and other part so that they can learn from, from, from the happening, what, what's going on. And also we can we can build our capacity within that territory. So I think the activities that we are doing probably like will will definitely um, um, and actually helping uh, multi-stakeholder groups. For example, we are training a journalist, and one single article based on science and evidence can actually benefit hundreds, thousands, and millions of farmer. I am hosting a TV talk show every week in Dhaka. As of now, we have done four seasons of that. Uh, brought almost like 60 different executive and leadership and expert 
and we talked about different issues like climate change, food security, nutrition security, using the most advanced tools like speed breeding, uh, you know, like uh, um, um, and then uh, biotech, gene editing. So these are actually helping us to have a dialogue, a discussion, identifying and dissecting through the knowledge that we have, the research that we have, and where more investment is required from the government, more supports are required from the private sector and public sector so that we have a resilient community. So I think the continuation of this process and the knowledge that we gained through different partnership and collaboration we have, for example, partnership with International Rice Research Institute, partnership with FAO, partnership with other INGO, and partnership with local, you know, like uh, public and private companies that we have is actually helping to, to, to create a horizontal approach where we can address many different issues, not only food security, but also issues that are related to livelihood and better life. Okay. And I want to encourage the listeners to take a look at the FFB YouTube channel, which is amazing. It's got extraordinary videos and you'll find details about that channel in the show notes just below. Um, there was one video that I was watching and, and uh, they're all wonderful. Um, there were the, but there was one where a faith leader was actually looking at the Quran and saying, you know, the prophet was interested in hybridization and he was teaching uh, uh, um, farmers about optimal use of their resources. In fact, I think in all um, religious and spiritual traditions, the idea of good stewardship of the earth, of using your resources in the best way, in the most optimal way, is in itself ha how you show thankfulness for the gifts that you're being given. That's part of our job, isn't it? And so um, I, I was very moved that you're doing this work with imams and would like to work that with other partners, especially across Africa, um, which also has a, a large Muslim community, but also a large Christian community to begin to engage them in the same way as you, as you have been. And so that brings me to the subject of South-South collaboration and an area where we will see more activity moving forward um, in year three at AFS, where we'll begin to pull out the lessons that you have learned and all the great work you've done and share it with the other fellows also trying out different initiatives across the African continent and encouraging other fellows in Latin America to also do the same. And we can get this vibrant network that started in Ithaca to get to the next phase of its evolution so that there can be more Arifs and more FFBs all around the world. And we can see real fruits in terms of embedding the work in communities. So um, I want I want to ask you about um, any engagements you've had across the Asia region um, that FFB have had and where you might be looking to have more collaborations in the future. Definitely. We, we did a number of activities and collaboration, for example, with, with the uh, uh, Agriculture and Life Science Unit of Michigan State University uh, during this lockdown and pandemic. They organized a few virtual tours, so FFB was functional in, in helping them to identify and uh, talk with different stakeholders in Bangladesh virtually. We helped with them. Uh, we have been functional in sharing and distributing information with our partner organization in the region. Uh, we were collaborating with other network and partners like ISA and uh, uh, regional ERI and other partners 
so that we could uh, share our knowledge across this continent and community. But I would uh, add some uh, uh, context here is that um, Farming Future was helping the Climate Vulnerable Forum. The Prime Minister uh, of, of uh, Bangladesh was the chair of Climate Vulnerable Forum. So we helped them with, with like uh, having social media content and most updated thing for them. We also helped a few like local scientists and uh, stakeholders in the community to come out and to understand the value of science communication. Uh, but uh, we have been like limiting our capacity only to Bangladesh. Now it's high time for us to look beyond and how we can like collaborate and connect with the, with the regional capacity that we have. Because we have uh, um, this fellowship going on since 2014 and 15 and we have fellows in different parts of the world. So our capacities are there and we need to reinvest that how these you know, like knowledge and capacities can be brought together again. Few of the things I need to highlight uh, for the listeners uh, to, to consider that Bangladesh is the one of the most climate vulnerable country in the world. The southern territory and region of our country uh, the soil salinity is an issue. We have flash flood, cyclone, and other natural calamity. And agriculture itself is actually highly impacted by different climatic conditions in Bangladesh. Whether you have too much rain, then you have flood, and you don't have rain, then you can't actually transplant the main staple rice plant on the field. So I think uh, our policy and... Um, enabling environment that we have need to re, 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 revise and uh, uh, look back that what are the areas we want to uh, reinvest our capacities and resources and for the farmer we have been working with farmer talking with them trying to understand what they need uh, climate change is a significantly impactful issue that will have drastic impact on food security of of, of our country and if we can't act now, then the future would be more challenging. Apart from that, uh, nutrition is a serious issue for Bangladesh. One study found that if you can't provide nutritious food to children and uh, during their adolescence, then the future generation will be like uh, weaker and they will suffer more. But as I mentioned earlier, it's a challenge for us to ensure uh, proper balanced diet and nutritious food for each and every children that we have in Bangladesh. But if we can use different tools and tactics, and if we can improve uh, different food, add value to them by using, you know, like biotech, GMO, and gene editing, then probably we'll be able to uh, have more options of available food that would actually ensure uh, nourishment for our future generation. So I think... Uh, the resilience that we talk about, uh, the agricultural tools and technologies and different dialogues that we initiate uh, is going to have real impact if we can have a real product on the ground. Otherwise, it will remain only a like, theoretical uh, uh, discussion and dialogue. And to have that product, we need a speedy, you know, like, and very... Um, uh, 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 how should I define? For example, during COVID, countries, politicians across all over the world uh, did not hesitate to accept the vaccination, whether it's mRNA or whatever modality it had. But when you talk about food, 
scientists worked for 12, 13, 15 years and they got stuck when the question of approval or, you know, like access to the uh, product comes. So we need a like enabling environment and improved enabling environment where we'll have better opportunities for pharma so that it that the system works in a like a way that it's an urgency for, for, for the community. There is an urgency, and I know that there isn't anywhere in the world that people are not feeling that urgency in terms of rising prices, in terms of you know reduced access to nutritious, good, nutritious, affordable food. And unfortunately, that crisis is only going to get heightened. The challenges are only going to get more. The next few years are critical. The decisions we make now are going to impact the next generation in terms, because it, it, before you get a harvest, it takes years to, to, to forecast and to plan. So we're still eating the food that were planted, uh, before the Ukraine war. And so we're not even yet seeing the full impact of not having harvests that we've relied on in our global uh, food supply chain. So the urgency is there. It's reaching all of us in our homes, in our pockets, in the way we live. The urgency is there in climate change. Um, how we live from season to season, no matter where you are in the world, is is drastically changing. We're having to adapt in ways we never thought possible. So the, the urgency is there, but we are hopeful because we are close enough to the science to know that there are solutions there. There are solutions there waiting for opportunities to be um, to, to, to help us. So humanity has this great um, knowledge, has this great intuition, and opportunity to solve problems that seem insurmountable, but we've done it before and we can do it again. And that's part of the key message of Alliance for Science. So I just want to give you a few moments to say something in closing and to thank our listeners for joining in, but to encourage our listeners to look at FFB products, which are amazing. Follow them and follow us on Twitter and Facebook and all the social media platforms and give us some support, show us some love. Just um, become an ally, become a science ally and tell us how we can serve your community better. Thank you, Dr. Sheila. And thanks to all the listeners for giving me the opportunity to have this podcast with you all. I would end it this way that I have 160.5 million people in my country in Bangladesh. And we have only 8 million hectares of arable land. Every year we are losing 1% of our arable land due to climate change, urbanization and everything. We need to ensure that these 160.5 million people are well-fed. They get food three times a day. It's nutritious. It's safe. And we have this like, resilience and understanding within the community so that we can have a sustainable approach in the productivity. And to do that, we need access and equal access to science and technology. We don't want our European friend to tell us what to do and what not to. We need our people to understand, our politicians to understand that what is timely now, what is the urgency. And with that in mind, uh, I thank you all for listening to this thing, the stories that we have. Uh, please follow, as, as Dr. Sheila mentioned, that uh, look what we are doing, support, share our activities with your network and cohort. and. It's a global call. I mean, science is for humanity. The benefit of science should benefit 
everyone from east to west from north to south yeah i wish you all good health and thank you so much you've been listening to a podcast from the alliance for science promoting science for humanity thank you you've been listening to the science allies podcast if you enjoyed this or if it sparked any questions get in touch you can reach us on any of our social media platforms and please think about joining one of our communities follow the link in our show notes and you can subscribe to our newsletter and other products don't forget to like and share these products too see you next time